What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. There are many ways we can work together. Check out EliseCortez.com or Gusto-Now.com to learn how and to download some free sources I put there for you. If you've been tuning into the show for a while, then you know this program is a thought leadership platform that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders and enlivening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. With us for today's program is Peter Comer. He's the author of The Forces of Collaborative Creativity and the architect of the Collaborative Creativity Methodology. He's also the founding partner of AdStrat, a company providing collaborative creativity services to the healthcare industry. We met because we share a publisher, Practical Inspiration. It's a perfect mashup, as I'd like to say. He's wicked smart and articulate, and I'm energetic and passionate. <laughs> we'll be talking about creativity and how it can be used and developed to solve business problems today. He joins us today from Milan, Italy, where it's midnight there, 5 p.m. here in Dallas, and a full moon for both of us. Peter, welcome to Working On Purpose. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isn't this just splendid, right? This if this isn't really what the world coming together, I don't know what is, right? So it's it's really, really great. And as we discussed as we were preparing to come on air and deciding when the air date would be and this would actually be on a full moon and we were going to talk about creativity, um, I want to first position for you listeners and viewers what we're doing here first. And we wanted to make sure that we gave you access to this notion of, of creative uh, collaboration in a very experiential way. So we're Peter's actually going to walk me through uh, an exercise here. He's created something for us. We're doing this live, um, and he's going to explicate what 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 it is the exercise is, and then lead me through, and then we'll talk together about what it means for both of us. So, Peter, take it from there, please. Thank you. Yes. So um, we use creativity, and uh, there are many different ways you can involve groups of people in creativity, and. Um, so the first thing to say is that you and I, Elise, are a very small group. Normally the groups are bigger, but uh, it's the two of us, so uh, that's great. And we've both done this little exercise. And the creative exercise uh, is a collage exercise where you focus on uh, an idea uh, and or, or, or an emotion or something to do uh, with the scope of the work that we're trying to do. And you look at a series of images, and the images that for some reason resonate, you keep when you make a collage with them. And that's it. And that's what we've just done before before we came on air. Is that correct? That is right. And you gave me some. You gave me a specific focal point that we probably should. Should we say that now, or does that come later? Definitely, definitely, because it's all about what you do, right? 
Right. And so Peter asked me to focus on collective purpose. And he asked me to consider looking at the images. How do I feel about collective purpose, uh, positive, negative? Um, and what opportunities and problems do I see related to it? So that's how I picked out, I think it was eight images. I believe, yes, eight. Yes. Right. And what I would like you to do now is I would like you to uh, briefly describe those images so people know uh, what you picked. Uh, and then the most important thing isn't uh, the image itself, but what you see in that image, why that image is, is relevant uh, to uh, collective purpose. So uh, I presume you have the PDF in front of you and you can I see do. it. Okay, so if you would like to start, please, please tell us about your images. I will. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe the image first, and then I'll describe what it was that compelled me and how I felt about it, et cetera, what it means to me. Perfect. Uh, so the first image is um, what appears to be a pile of humans. Um, and what's interesting about them is that they're all wearing, it looks like a, a blue um, top. And they're all um, they're all piled up in, 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 in sort of a, a pyramid sort of form, but they're all fake, faced one direction, uh, and they're all they're all pulling their hands up in the same direction, like upward sort of. So there's like a striving sort of a of an indication there for me. And so, you know, why does that call me? Is that a purpose is a very motivating force, and it's a very it's a very uh, directional thing. It helps us understand it and decide where to put our energies and where to put our focus, how to just how to make decisions, etc. In service of that purpose and so that image to me speaks of a group of people that are aligned striving for the same thing and and, and working for a common aim they have they have a lot in common in their their blue shirts but yet there's clearly you know they're, they're coming together for a bigger cause so that's the the, the first image is, is that enough explanation or do you want more that's yes that's plenty that's great thank you okay you're welcome perfect Next image is uh, is just a, a, a collage of hands, various colors of hands, and they're all facing, they're all pointing up and facing the same direction. Uh, so what called me for that is that there's a beautiful diversity represented there that any company certainly needs and does well with. Um, and again, yet they, they are unified in the sense that they're all aiming the same direction. Those hands are all face the same direction. Uh, and they're also, again, striving to a certain extent. There's a there's a, an intentionality there. There's a purpose there. There's a, a unison there that calls me. Um, so that's that image. Uh, the next image is a really interesting sort of uh, collage of different um, characters plants and animals essentially and they're all cartoon like looking things there's a there's a tree there's a looks like a raccoon there's a it looks like a ram there's flowers there's sunflowers uh, and the reason I picked that what called me about that particular image I should say is that uh, again that speaks to a, a group of people that are or a group of entities or beings that are all very different they all bring something different to the party but they seem to be clearly at the same party <laughs> which yeah. I would call the purpose party so yeah. um and i like the fact that they all they all would come at this very very differently very they're not a, they're, this is not in unison this is a unique approach to being at this party if you will but they're all united by being at the party um and then the next image um, appears to be a red funnel at the top of the image there are a bunch of disparate sorts of pieces coming into the funnel and then out the bottom is a singular line of 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 pieces coming out the bottom and that that 
calls me because it, it strikes me that uh, as as uh, inside organizations, uh, what works really well is when those individuals can come into an organization, they already have their own individual purpose um, identified or some semblance of it. They have some awareness of it. Those are those individuals coming into the funnel, but they're aligning it with the purpose of the organization and together, all together combined, there's this tremendous force coming through that funnel of all that combined purpose that really speaks and it's so unified and beautiful. And then another image here is three people standing apart and um, with their arms at their sides and there appears to be these beams of energy or light um, connecting or spewing from each one connecting to the other. That calls me because the idea of certainly of, of purpose unifying a group, but there's that notion of something really big and expansive that's being transmitted from each individual to the other individual parts that catalyzes something even bigger among them that then also is thread into the collective purpose that I, I think is very compelling. Three more images. Uh, there is an image of what looks like a, a piece of... Um, threaded yarn so at the bottom of the image you have these individual different colored threads and they've all been um, braided together to create a singular thread and that speaks to me similarly in that you've got this beautiful diversity of individual beings coming together and all their diversity and glory but yet again they, they come together they're threaded together they're connected they're intertwined um, they're interacting with each other there's an energy exchange there and together they create this very strong uh, tightly bound thread or yarn that is that is the the yarn coming up to the top. Uh, next image is two um, acrobatic uh, dancers in midair. Uh, each of them are are leaving their respective swing and reaching to to it, it certainly appears to catch the other. And there's something about that, right? There's something about the there's a leap of faith in that, or there's a there's a there's a confidence that this will happen, that we will catch each other. And there's something about collective purpose about this notion that there is a confidence. I've got you. Uh, I'm here for you. We're in this together. Um, that really speaks to me. And then the last image is uh, is a series of, of arrows all pointing to the right direction. The biggest one on the far right is a big green arrow. And behind it are a series of um, smaller arrows that feed into it. Again, the idea being you have individual beings coming into an organization with their individual purpose. They come together. They find a common stream, a common aim, align it with that of the, of the organization and thread it through. And that's the big, big, big target and big arrow that's pointing to the right perfect thank you for that uh for that great um description um i'm going to jump in and um and talk about the same exercise i did with the same images so we both started with uh with 63 images and we culled them down i got them down to six and interestingly uh you and i share two images okay uh, which is great. So I'll talk about those first. One of them is the arrow image that you described last. And um, the only thing I would add to your description is that the small arrows are very different. They're different styles, different, yes. they're even different colors. Um, so you talked extensively and a lot of your images were about diversity. Uh, and that isn't really present that much in my collage but it is present there. So that's why I wanted to, um, uh, to point that out. And the other image that we have in common are the three people uh, who are connected by multiple lines. 
Uh, and again, uh, everything you said, I, I agree with, with, with what you said about that image um, related to collective pers- purpose. Um, the only thing I would add is that I really liked that image is uh, one of the reasons I really like that image is because there's only three peoples, but, but there's multiple lines. And I think that gets to the idea that it's not just a simple connection between people, but it's multiple connections and multiple thoughts uh, that are needed to keep just three people together. There's only three people there, but there's a lot of lines. So I liked that. What I also have is an image of uh, letters, 3D letters of the alphabet, and they're flying around and they're multicolored. And it just looks like a mess and a, and a scrambled sort of thing where there are no sort of words you can understand, but there's letters. And that, to me, talks uh, to the opposite of purpose. That talks to me of every single one of those letters is doing its own thing, and none of them are getting together, for example, to form a word. So that's the sort of negative space of not of what happens when you don't have collective purpose. Um, another image I, sh- I chose is is a can of paint seen from above, and um, it's blue paint or a light blue paint, and there's white paint being mixed into it in a in a spiral. And what I like about that is the way they're very much together because it's quite intricate the way these two are are coming together, but they're still separate. So they're two different things still, very identifiable but they're amalgamating uh, and I think that's that, that's interesting the way they spiral together and get, get closer and closer. Um, then there's a very um, there's a close-up of an eye, a human eye and the reason I like that is because a lot of collective purpose in my experience is based around observation. Uh, it's based around learning from those around you, learning from those you serve. Uh, and so you really, collective purpose has to be about observation. It has to be also about understanding the effects that you, that your actions have. Uh, so that was, so that, so I thought that was an interesting aspect. And the last one is a crazy image of a piggy bank jumping through (laughs) fire. Okay. And, I like that for two reasons, because that talks to me about the sort of left field craziness of, uh, of what collectives can do. You know, when human beings get together and they have a, they have a common purpose, they can achieve the unexpected. Uh, and I find that very powerful. And there's also the meaning of um, collective purpose, the, the, you know, the things I do. Uh, are for businesses and it's all about money in the end so yes you need a purpose but that purpose also needs to be in some way monetized or in some way have a positive effect on the uh, on the business so i liked the idea of the piggy bank being there and saying yep it's all good having a purpose but you also need to pay the bills so i popped that in there Okay, this is beautiful. Um, I want to talk more a bit more about this, um, but we need to take a quick break here. And we'll, let me let me sure. acknowledge a question from our, our listeners here. They're asking, where do we see these images? You don't see these images, listeners. We're going to talk more about what how we did this and why this is important and what we're learning from it after the break. 
I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Peter Comber. He is the author of The Forces of Collaborative Creativity and the architect of the Collaborative Creativity Methodology. He's also the founding partner of Atstract, a company providing collaborative creativity services to the healthcare industry. We've been going through a creativity exercise. After the break, we're going to talk more about what that means and what we can learn from it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. interesting with us and welcome back to working on purpose i'm excited to share with you that during the pandemic i actually had a baby it's called a book and this is it it's called purpose ignited how inspiring leaders ignite passion and elevate cause and i am convinced that absent the pandemic it wouldn't wouldn't have showed up at least when it did so i am thankful for that i had the time to be able to work on it and i really wrote the book to transform readers into inspirational leaders who radically enliven the workplace and elevate the contribution of business across its stakeholders that's why i wrote it so it's really designed to help you turn on to your passion inspiration and purpose and then bring it if you're just joining the program my guest is peter comber he is the author of the forces of collaborative creativity and the architect of the collaborative creativity methodology i'm your host dr lise cortez so Peter, um, let's talk with a little bit about just debrief that exercise so listeners understand just what was the value of it and and what we can learn from it and what they can gain from having heard us do it together. Sure. Well, um, the value of it is the self-awareness that you and I both have now of our of our thoughts and and even feelings um, towards the subject, our chosen subject. Um, the bigger value would in a in in in, in a, I mean this is just an exercise, but in a real uh, setting, the value would now come from you and I, and presumably a bigger group of people, examining where we align, where we don't align, and um, what opportunities and what threats lie within that. So, you and I think we I, I think our exercises turned out to be refreshingly different, but very aligned. I don't think we'd have a big disconnect about, um, uh, you know, collective purpose and, and, and where we would go with our project from here. Okay. But quite often when we do this, uh, there's a problem somewhere and that's why we're doing it. Uh, and this kind of exercise helps that, um, helps that group understand and acknowledge and therefore confront uh, in a safe environment and in a creative environment, uh, their differences. Um, because if people aren't aligned about, you know, what they think about something important, like, for example, purpose, they're not going to deliver it properly. And that's bad for businesses. 
It is. And one of the things that you say in the book, and as you know, I read books uh, that I have from my guests cover to cover. Uh, one of the things that you said in the book that was really, really lovely to me and sort of arresting is you say that collaborative creativity uses the creative act as a way to bridge the divide between conscious and unconscious fascinating and i guess you're just in the in the in the exchange that we had i did get present to some things that maybe were lying under my surface and when i had to say them maybe they become they became conscious yes so um the vast majority of our thoughts are not conscious thoughts uh and i'm not a you know, scientist, neurologist, whatever. Uh, I know, only know enough to be dangerous, uh, but it's a it, it's it's a fact that most of what we think and 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 even our decisions, they're not things that are actually processed in a conscious way. And creativity is a really good way for uh, w- when the creativity is set up to explore a certain area. It's a really good way for you know, lifting up the cover and seeing what's going on in those unconscious processes. Um, And one of the things that's really fascinating, um, you're a very articulate person, and um, I think you were very comfortable with the subject I gave you because it's your subject, right? Um, But when you have people who are working on, uh, on something that they're not very comfortable with, when they present, they're not as fluent as you were. They're not as easy uh with their explanations and you can you can see them grasping for meaning you can see them asking themselves why did i choose this image and that search you know they they always come to some kind of reconciliation and that search is 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 enlightening for the person it's like why did i choose that image and then they kind of figure it out and then they start talking very quickly instead of you know haltingly and you know puzzlingly once they latch onto it they they oh yeah this is da, 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 da. and those are the breakthroughs and those are the interesting things so speaking of that one of the things that i got from reading your book peter which it was very illuminating for me creativity is a very interesting space for me and i, I feel like as i as i get older i cultivate it more and i feel like i can be proud of my creativity and I'm, I, I love it but what you just said there speaks to the first thing the first point here you, you talk about five collaborative forces of collaborative creativity um, just quickly, you, you talk about one is self-discovery, so understanding yourself, realizing well, why did I pick that. Um, number two is empathy, understanding others, very, very interesting. Three, realization, which is personal satisfaction. And uh, four, invention, new ideas, obviously. And five, cohesion, collective purpose. Uh, so I wanted to bring that up just quickly for our listeners and viewers that, that so we can start to recognize what's under all of this creative creative collaboration that you created for us. And so before we go on to the next thing, I wanted to d- dig down deeper. Anything that you want to say about those real quick before we move on? Yes. Um, I would just like to say that um, most people um, confuse creativity and innovation they mm-hmm. say we need some creativity charged, yes uh-huh. we need some creativity and, and 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 what they actually mean is we need a widget we need a solution okay and i think we need to take a step back and we need to recognize that creativity is a process it's a means to an end all right so the creative process can lead to innovation and change okay uh and you know the force that i recognize that gets you there is invention all right Invention is coming up with new stuff, and in the right conditions, inventions become innovation and change, all right? But that's not the only end 
you can have from creativity. Uh, creativity can also be the other things you mentioned, especially self-discovery, uh, especially, um, I, I think the most important one though is cohesion uh, because this is collaborative creativity after all. So, you know, cutting to the chase, all the other things are extremely important. But if you can use creativity to get people to have co-authorship of something and a true sense that um, they're doing something together that has meaning because they made it together. And I would just like to underline the fact that co-authorship doesn't mean you have to invent the whole thing. You know, co-authorship can be in this big picture, I created that bit. Okay. Uh, that's very important. We're talking, we imagine a mosaic where everybody puts their own little tile in, you know, that's the kind of thing. Uh, and I think that transforms the way businesses deliver. Businesses that have one person, one genius, who comes up with, 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 the, with the big idea and everybody else is a drone who executes it, they're only as good as the control they have on their drones. Whereas businesses who have, have a group who, who create things and deliver it and produce it and know why they're, they're turning up to work every day, that's a completely different organization, the way, the way it works and the way it's resilient. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. Well, and speaking of that, one of the things that you say in your book is you say that, it, well, first, creativity begins with, with a dissatisfaction with something, which provokes a desire to change it. And this leads to ideas about how to make the chance, uh, make the choice, or, and finally, action that creates the change. So what I was struck by is the notion of so it starts with dissatisfaction with something. And I thought that was really interesting. Yes. So what that's getting at is um, companies tend to be dissatisfied with something because it's not performing the way it should. Um, But what you should really look for is what's the dissatisfaction of the people who have to use that thing. So if it's a product, what are your customers' dissatisfaction? Uh, If it's an internal organization issue, what is the thing in the company that isn't working. Uh, And you really need to find out what the problem is. Uh, I think a lot of companies are are solution oriented. They, somebody somewhere says, we need a new something, a new widget. Okay. And they think that's going to be the solution to everything. But if you describe the solution, you're limiting your options for innovation. Whereas if you identify the problem and the real problem, uh, and by real problem, I mean the, pro- the elephant in the room, especially within companies. You know, once you've identified the real problem, that's when, when true solutions start pre- presenting themselves, long-term solutions. Well, then you take it a step further, Peter, which I thought was very intriguing, is then you go on to say it, it, it helps to see a problem from someone else's perspective for creativity. So we're really employing empathy here. We're listening. Yes. Uh, that was really, really interesting. Say a little bit more about that. Why is that so important? Well, in, in business, you're in, the, you're, you're in applied creativity. Um, so the distinction we need to make is that an artist, uh, you know, a musician, whoever, if they're making their music for them uh, and it's, it's their self-expression, that's fine. But if you are in a business and you're creating something for people, uh, if you don't completely understand what those people want, uh, 
And quite often that involves understanding, helping those people understand what they want. As I've said earlier, you know, the whole collage thing, you know, self-discovery. There's um, people tend to be um, quite sort of simple and incremental in their, if you ask them a straight, straight question, like, what would you like uh, from a new car? They're going to give you a very incremental kind of description of what they want, all right? Uh, but if you look at what this fa- dissatisfies them about cars, you might come up with a transport system that isn't a car. Mm. Because if I say the thing that annoys me the most about my car is having to park it, then the whole idea of a car suddenly is a problem. Whereas if you ask somebody, how could I improve your car? Uh, you know, they're going to come up with, you know, I want more seats. I want uh, more windows, more horsepower. Mm-hmm. So I think you really need to get, I mean, empathy is understanding people's problems. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And again, I think this really helps give our listeners and our viewers, if you will, if we'll stay with the car analogy, like getting under the hood of creativity. Where, How does it happen and how, where does it come from and how does it work? And furthermore, you speak also, you say that the aim of collective creativity is to make possible to talk, make it possible to talk about relevant emotions, beliefs, and experiences. Yeah. And that is such an unobvious notion for me that you would actually do, you would, you would provoke creativity and collaboration around discussion around those things. Well, um, my company specializes in healthcare, okay? Mm-hmm. And healthcare is, um, I mean, business in general is quite rational. You know, it tries to be, you know, rational and, and as non-emotional as is viable, you know? And healthcare is, 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 is the extreme example of that, okay? And it doesn't really work because people are not rational, uh, they are incredibly emotional, and they become even more so when confronting health issues, uh, sometimes even professionals, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I've, done, uh, I've done lots and lots of these things with, with physicians, and, you know, I've had quite a few of them cry. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once you get them into the situation where they're not you know, behind that mask of professionalism and distancing themselves from everything and you really get them talking about the issues and and, and what it's like to make certain decisions and what it's like to, um, you know, to, to, to deal with certain situations. And when you talk to patients or caregivers, uh, you know, we work with um, with caregivers of people who, who, who are very, very sick uh, and there's a lot of emotion there. And if you go in with a list of questions very rationally and you say something stupid like, do you care about your loved one, the person you're looking after? The answer is yes, obviously. But if you go in and you do something creative, you can start to understand the contrasting emotions and the richness of that experience and that situation. And when we talk about collaborative creativity and working in groups, we're also talking about getting doctors and patients and caregivers in a dialogue because there is a lot of missed opportunities and misunderstandings uh, when, when, when they talk. You know, doctors sometimes don't understand what patients are saying and sometimes patients don't understand what doctors are saying. And the root of it isn't just 
you know, language. It isn't just the sentences being put together. It's, it's, it's conceptual and it's also emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying something I don't want to hear, basically. Right. Mm, I, can to- I can see, though, how this opens such a richness, a vein, if you will, of, of, of uh, a way of seeing something, a way of uh, reaching for and connecting for something. I can see that now. Do we have time for a little anecdote? You know, um, we do. Um, can we get it after the break? Yes. Can you hold it after the break? Okay. All right. Let's grab our, our next break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're in the air with Peter Comber. He is the author of The Forces of Collaborative Creativity and the architect of the Collaborative Creativity Methodology. He's also the founding partner of AtStrat, a company providing collect. Collaborative creativity services to the healthcare industry. We've been talking about really how to use collaborative creativity as a useful concept. After the break, we'll continue the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Another announcement for you is that we've launched the Gusto Now platform. It's an e-learning um, platform designed to deliver the vitally inspired and other courses that I created some time ago. And we do it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. How it happened was, as we were going through the pandemic, is I wanted to figure out what else can I do that I haven't been able to do lately. And that was the whole language thing. So Spanish, Portuguese are really my favorite languages. So I would do all, all three languages on the platform. And I do offer a 20% discount to listeners. So thanks for listening in. You use the code WOP20 at checkout to redeem it. See you in class. If you're just joining us, my guest is, is Peter Comber. He is the author of The Forces of Collaborative Creativity and the Architect of Collaborative Creativity Methodology. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. And Peter, just before the break, you were, you were queuing us up for uh, an antidote about what we were talking about. So please share it. Yeah. So this is um, uh, a job uh, we did. Uh, quite a while ago, uh, so I can't go into details because we we sign NDAs and they're pretty ferocious. But um, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the top the I'll give you the, the top line. Um, we got a bunch of very highly uh, specialists, okay, specialists in a in a in in, in a condition um, for which there was no cure, and then there was a cure. Somebody invented a cure, and all of a sudden these doctors could literally take away the cause of illness of these people. And um, so for a while they had a monopoly. They were the only people with, 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 that, with that cure. And um, the client uh, hired us because um, 12 months in 12 months time, they're going to lose the monopoly and other people are going to be coming up with the cure. And so they wanted to feel the pulse of the specialists and you know feel how, uh, how they were anticipating the new products coming in and 
one of the exercises we did, so every, every, every workshop we do, um, we do multiple exercises, but one of the exercises we did was a time travel exercise where we took all these specialists, we put them in small groups and we said, you know, you need to go off and uh, five years ago and you need to go to um, a conference and you need to tell your colleagues from the past what the future's like. You need to tell them everything they need to know about now and you can choose five things, all right? And so each of the groups presented their speech uh, and there were, I think, five groups. And at the end of the presentation of the last group, I asked them why none of them had told their colleagues in the past that there was a cure. Mm. And every single one of them just sort of their, draw, their jaw dropped and they were like, how could we have done that? And the following conversation was, you know, self-discovery embodied. Uh, and it was all about the fact that the cure did, you know, cure the, un cure, cure the problem, but it didn't cure... Uh, the existing damage done by the disease. So they were still, people who they'd cured, they were still seeing them and they were still, you know, they had issues. Uh, and so that completely reset our clients' expectations and, 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 you know, it created empathy because the client, instead of saying, oh, we're great, we invented the cure, now they were, okay, we get it. These people understand you know intellectually if we ask them if there's a cure they say yeah of course there's a cure i've been using it for two years but what that means for their practice isn't the kind of thing we intended or we understand to be cure and that goes back to the whole thing about words you know if i say to you cure it triggers something in your brain but to the person who said yes there's a cure it's something very different mm. Well, and that gets to the next question that I wanted to get to. And you and I spoke about this on, on uh, our first conversation as we were planning to have you come on air. And that was this whole limitation of language, which is really interesting. Being somebody here, I just was talking about, I love being a linguist and I love speaking different foreign languages. And now we talk about there's actually limitations to it. And what you say in the book is very interesting. You say, while language seems to be controlled at a, at a very conscious and rational level in our brains, creative thinking occurs in deeper and more ancient areas of the brain. Very interesting. The ideas you have reveal something about you. Creative thought access accesses deeper areas of, of our minds than those concerned with logic and language. So its manifestations can show you unexpected, unconscious beliefs, emotions, and internal contradictions. Fascinating, Peter. Say more about that. Um, yes. So um, we are self-deceiving beings. Animals. <laughs> beings. Yes. Uh, we deceive others. Um uh, but we're also pretty good at deceiving ourselves. And um, creativity, uh, when, people are, when people talk, they're very good at, at keeping those deceptions alive. When they create, they stumble a bit. Uh, and mm. I think it's because we are used to projecting an image with you know, our words and the way we dress, but we're not, we're not used because people don't do creativity usually I mean we're all sort of normal most people are quite stifled in in their creativity okay mm -hmm. and because it's something they're not used to I don't think they could they, they they can do it in an artificial way they do it in a very authentic way and that means you know the truth is out when they do it 
And I think the whole thing about words is even worse because even if I don't want to um, be ambiguous, if you and I don't share the exact same definition of a word or a term or a concept, we can agree on something but, but have two completely different ideas. And I'll give you a little example. If you go to pretty much any meeting in any company and you say, oh, we need to be more transparent, pretty much everybody says yes, because it sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a good value, doesn't it? You know, mm -hmm. the, if, if we're talking about, you know, collective purpose, let's all be more transparent. Yes, great idea. But what does that actually mean? Your idea of transparency, my idea of transparency, the finance department's idea of transparency, you know, yeah. uh, that's where it all gets really interesting. And that's where creativity can help people because adults are not good at sitting in a room and saying, I don't understand what your, what your view of transparency is. They're not very good at that. Mm. Kids are good at it. Kids are great at saying, I don't get that. But the older you get, you don't want to look stupid because somebody just said, we need more transparency. And you can't stand up and say, what do you mean? You look stupid. <laughs> right. I get that. I ma that makes complete sense. Mm. So creativity is a great way to get people to look minutely at things that might be taken for granted. Uh, and those things which are taken for granted are the source of discord within an organization. So it's like we're all rallying around this thing, but actually everybody's rallying around their own version of it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, one of the, speaking of the whole idea of creativity in an organization, one of the things that I also really appreciated about your book and the message in it, and, and it certainly aligns with what, what I would do as somebody who empowers people, is I like how you encourage telling people inside organizations that they are creative and that you believe that they're the right choice to tackle certain problems. Um, it just seems to me, again, from the empowering position, but also it just in, engenders a, a creative culture. It encourages it, it seems. Yes, definitely. I think companies need to have more creative space uh, and and co-creative space because individual creative space is great and it's very gratifying and it's rewarding, um, but it's not necessarily contributing to uh, the business. It's 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 more focused on the individual. Um, so yes, I I do think there there needs to be more creativity, and I think that creativity has to be focused on um, on getting get focused on empathy and focused on on um, on getting people aligned on cohesion. Those mm -hmm. th those are the two keys, mm -hmm. and I think we're going to see a need uh, more and more uh, because if you look at you know the whole work from home thing i mean this year's been crazy um and you see a lot of talk about how the sort of the casual encounter the serendipity the sort of the coffee machine idea and discussion disappears with work from home um i think the idea of of, of people sort of understanding each other around a coffee machine is not good business practice even if you are in an office i think you should try and make it a bit more robust than that but if people are working from home the idea of of of, of having 
creative moments when people can align and confront in a safe way uh, is very important. Mm. Well, and you do you do talk about how creativity affects human relationships, and you already said before, you know, something profound happens to people when, who share and develop ideas together. Um, but there's you also talk about there being a transfer of energy and a kind of intellectual intimacy, and yeah. uh, you know, and so of course, being somebody who's a meaning and work researcher, and I care about the experience about elevating the experience of work for people so that they, it can be something that's more fulfilling for them. That is incredibly alluring. Yes, I mean. Uh, if when when a group starts kicking around an idea, it's very unusual for that idea to be immediately in three seconds perfect. Okay, somebody usually says something that sparks a conversation, and during the course of that conversation, different people add different bits to it, change it, subvert it, and what you end up at the end of the day, literally eight hours later, is is unrecognizable. Uh, from the first spark that that got that thing going, but all the energy and all the transfer of of, of you know intellectual um, uh, creativity and just sort of transfer, all that stuff adds up into a very strong human experience. It's a, it 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 sure beats a meeting. You know how, you know how, you know how when you walk out of a meeting and it's like. Oh God, that was boring. How many how many slides did we see, and what was the discussion about later? I mean, it was deadly. You know, it's not conducive to, and it's not conducive to getting people excited. Whereas creativity and 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 building an idea together uh, is exciting. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. Well, you and I have come together and both of us have produced a book in this pandemic. And so, and you've already started to talk about the the changing workplace because of the pandemic. I think it really makes a lot of sense for for you, especially as a man of of creativity and collaboration to share. I'd like to hear some of the chief learnings that you see business taking from the coronavirus pandemic. Wow. Um, I think one of the key learnings will be that we need to talk more about emotions. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think there needs to be a more structured, safe way of talking about emotions in the workplace. Um, and I also think that it, it 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 fits into the idea of diversity because one of the interesting things about creativity, and this is proven, this is you know not anecdotal uh, experiments prove it. Diverse groups that do creativity together have far stronger ideas. Stronger it means more appropriate, more robust, everything. Whereas the more people are alike uh, who come together and have an idea, the more that idea is is one-sided, and and quite often it's a weak idea. I mean, people just sort of agree with each other. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. Oh, completely. You know. You need a bit of friction and you need a bit of push and pull uh, with diverse ideas and diverse people and with diverse experiences to get to somewhere really universally interesting. And so, yeah, I think businesses need to figure out, uh, thanks to you know uh, collaborative creativity, but also other other uh, other ways of working, they need to figure out how to incorporate emotions into business in an appropriate way. And they also need to wake up to the fact that diversity is an asset and 
and and it becomes crystal clear when you do creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about diversity for so long. Do you really think that we're just finally sort of now getting it? It's taken us how many decades? Well, I mean, yes. I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, <laughs> I, my personal experience, I, I, I grew up in, in, in Britain uh, and in the, you know, I, was, I went to school in the 70s and 80s and, you know, our class was, you know, our classes were very different. There were lots of different types of people in terms of, you know, beliefs and all the rest of it. And then I moved to Italy, and Italy was very different. Italy was very much monoculture, okay? And that's changed, you know. Italy is now multicultural. But the difference was shocking. The difference was really strange. And I still have that kind of feeling when I go into lots of businesses. Mm. When you go into lots of big corporate headquarters and you look around, it's like, these people are pretty much all the same. Hmm. Uh, just quickly, I want to grab that notion uh, that you that you that you are in, in Italy for the last what thirty some thirty six years, I think it was. And and, yep. and you and I spoke before that there's something about using language in a different way, right? So when you come into a different culture, you have a different language, you see the world differently, you describe the world differently, and that I, I feel like having lived in Spain and Brazil really did help me access creativity in a different way because I had to use language in a different way. I could see the world differently because of the way that I described it in that culture. And I just think that's interesting. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show here. So just for fun and grins and giggles, um, tell us in Italian what you had for dinner, please. What did I have for dinner? I had, um, my God, that was a while ago. Um, oh, yes, I had, uh, <laughs> I can't say it in Italian because I had falafel. Which is uh, Arabic. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, never mind then. I'll lie and I'll say what I, what I had the other day, um, which is um, lasagna uh, di verdura. Di verdura, okay. Well, we've come to the end of the show already, Peter. Um, you know the show is listened to across the world, and it's all designed to help people create more meaningful workplaces and create inspirational leaders. What would you like to leave our listeners with, say, in about 20 seconds? In 20 seconds, I would invite everybody to experiment uh, with creativity in in groups in their office. Uh, Give yourselves a task, uh, give yourselves multiple exercises and make, make sure everybody joins in. Beautiful way to finish, Peter. Thank you so much for, for coming into my sphere. It is delightful to know you and, and be on this path with you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom, your creativity, and your spirit. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I always enjoy talking with Absolutely. you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Likewise. Listeners and viewers, if you want to learn more about Peter Comber or his book, The Forces of Collaborative Creativity, or the work he and his team do at Abstract, um, visit him. There's a couple places you, you can go to. Um, sorry, Peter, is it Astrat? A-S-T-R-A-T? Yes, A-T-S-T-R-A-T dot com. Okay. Ast, uh, at Strat. Okay. Yeah. And then the other, your personal website is Peter-Comber, C-O-M-B-E-R dot net. Correct. So visit those two places, have a look. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Tim Spiker talking about his book, The Only Leaders Worth Following. We talked about how two of the eight eight characteristics that make effective leaders account for 67% of their effectiveness, and they boil down to personal development and self-understanding. 
Next week, we'll be on. We'll be kicking off the new year and six years of programming with Michael Levy, who's the CEO of WorkProud, talking about the importance of people being proud of their work and how this contributes to the bottom line results for the company. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.